0: Welcome to the Almost 30 podcast. I'm Lindsay and I'm Krista, and we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age, it's about the feeling. All of us are almost something. Seeking community and resources to
1: support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting.
0: Hello, and
1: welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay and Krista, your best friends on this journey called life. Best friends forever, (laughs) baby. We always get asked, are you actually friends? And we're here to tell you, right now we are. It's true, yeah. (laughs) We're here
0: to tell you we made it through, and we are. Dude, I couldn't do this. Well, maybe, I don't think I could if we would. How much time we spend together? How how would that happen? I actually listened to this podcast years ago, five years ago. I won't say the name, but I loved it. It was like two women and they fought and then ended up not being friends and they would still do it and you could just feel the tension.
1: Totally. The stories
0: would be kind of one-uppy, but
1: yeah, it would be really hard. But we are best friends. That's we true. Are best fr- well, we have, I mean, it's the business. It's everything yeah. else we do. Like if we were just like two podcasters that had to show up, Yeah, maybe our individual teams could kind of wrangle us, (laughs) get us to the studio. They'd show us the amount of money, and we'd be like, like, "Fine, yeah, I'll act for
0: this hour." (laughs) We're really grateful you're here. We know there's a lot of other podcasts out there, so it means so much that you chose Almost Thirty, especially for the OGs that have chosen Almost Thirty over the past years and made us your podcast of choice. It means a lot. We're here to support you in your evolution to help you feel less alone. And try and have fun while doing it. So that's who we are and what we do. And I'm a multidimensional being (laughs) who is
1: expressing in various ways. (laughs) She's gonna channel now. I'm gonna channel. I'm like,
2: oh,
1: (laughs) I'm like now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I don't think I could ever channel because that would be very embarrassing. But I'm excited about this episode. So this is with a friend, Hannah Eden, Hannah Eden Fitness. She is super, super established in her field. She has a huge business and brand and someone that has been in the fitness game for a very, very long time. She is a coach. She is someone that has been all over the world working with various brands, doing extreme feats, whether it was CrossFit in 2015 or working for Oxygen, NordicTrack, Bodybuilding.com. She's someone that has really led with her physicality, but has a huge freaking heart. And I wanted to bring her on to talk more about our darkness retreat that we did in Oregon a few months ago. So I've done two episodes on the darkness retreat that I did in Oregon. And this one I thought would be fun because it brings a different element of her experience compared to my experience. And we got to recap really what it felt like to go through the darkness, which was basically us going into pitch absolute black for four days and explored as like how our relationship developed because we were someone that actually just met. We met through a friend, Aaron Alexander, that was mm-hmm. there. And to meet someone in that circumstance for the first time was so beautiful because it's like the most tender and vulnerable.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's interesting when you, you know, you engage in these like very vulnerable and very deep experiences and you're doing it with people you don't even know but then where you leave incredibly close maybe even with a closer feeling or a depth that you don't even have with like some of your friends totally and that just like to me reminds me how important vulnerability is in relationships like if you want to be more connected you must be vulnerable and also not afraid to connect and share through moments of just like deep unknown and deep processing with people that you trust and and care about but yeah I'm curious how like your experiences differed oh my gosh so (laughs) it was so funny she came out and she
0: sat down in her chair so what happens basically in the morning when you come out of the darkness Scott, who facilitates the retreat, comes to your door. You have a blindfold on. You go out, take off the blindfold, share about your experience. So I was the first one he got out of everyone. I think I psychically told him I wanted to be the first because you are – it feels like Christmas morning. Totally. To be coming out, to see the light, to see people, to be with people – I don't think I have been that excited so long. I was sat on my bed just swinging my little legs for probably three hours. Just so <laughs> excited. I'm like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's not time. You yeah, have no you, idea. Of, yeah, I was no like, did idea, you know what time? No idea of time. Yeah. So I could have been up from 4 a.m. Yeah. Thinking that
1: Today's he was the day. coming.
0: Today's the day. And I remember when he actually came. It was funny because when he actually came. So I, I got up really early. Who knows what time? I was ready and I was sitting on the bed waiting. And then like an hour or two passed by. I'm like, okay, who knows what time this is happening? So I started to do my normal routine. You kind of create a routine for yourself. Started to do body work, took a bath. And then I remember like kind of being in my routine and he came to get me and I was like, fuck, I don't have enough time. (laughs) I literally was like, oh, my God, I still have parts of my routine that I I haven't done I got to curl my hair. Honestly. (laughs) I was like, I've got to get ready. I've got to change the outfit I've been wearing for four days straight. (laughs) So I get out of darkness. We go get Aaron and then we go get Hannah. And Hannah's was like very gratitude filled, Mm. joyful. She's like, "I I thought about staying longer. She wanted to stay longer. Wow. She's like, I had the best time. I was just feeling myself. I had so much fun. I came out more in love with my husband than ever. And I'm like, I'm separating. <laughs> like, it was just like, it was like the wow. total opposites. And it actually made me laugh to hear hers be so, I have so much gratitude for my life. Same with Aaron. I love my family. I love my life. I was like, all love is conditional. <laughs> what's the point? Like I was just so, I had gratitude, but no, I didn't really have gratitude to be honest. I had gratitude for some things that I was going through, but I've had more grief yeah, than anything. So they were so different. Each one of the people's experiences and like were very necessary where people were, but it was fun to be able to reflect and kind of have those. And for me, it was actually nice to have people have the experience be more positive than meeting other people that were like me. Cause we'd be like,
1: going down (laughs) but I mean I feel like like you said you you really needed to feel the grief yes you needed that space and that safety to like actually let go yes and maybe for her I'm curious like if that gratitude maybe she's just never in a place where she can like Mm -hmm. slow down enough to be like oh my god yeah and I don't you know I met her there so I don't know
0: her through over the years but it's funny because I don't know if we would be friends if we met any other way Because she's so powerful. Like she's got such a powerful energy and way about her that I may have been intimidated Mm. previously. And to see her in that and then to see her now and know her, you know, we talk fairly regularly. And like she's softened so much. Mm. Like so much. And to watch that process and to what she's going into now, she's going to be a mom. Hmm. So now even softening even more and just seeing her as someone, you know, we talked about this in the episode, but that was so hard and fast about the workouts, about the nutrition, about having abs, about looking a certain way, and everything was so physical to allow yourself to step into softness is kind of scary. I mean, you know, as a fitness instructor, like yeah. when you are all about kind of the aesthetics of how you look and you have to push so much, it could be scary
1: to take a step back and and soften totally oh absolutely and also like for her like her body's gonna change and what does that mean and yeah it's I can I can imagine and I think for women in general women who are listening to this I don't think we consciously realize how either hard we're going or how hard we tend to approach the everyday so that we are protected so that we don't get hurt or don't feel the pain. And it's rare to have spaces, places, and people who can allow for or encourage like really that surrender and softness that we all need, you know, but especially women. And especially for women that are entrepreneurs and
0: run their own businesses and are the breadwinners of the family who almost most of my friends are all breadwinners in the family. It can be assumed that softness means that everything's going to fall away and you're going to sure. lose everything. You're going to lose all your money and not be able to perform or not be able to have as a successful business. So makes it like doubly as hard.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a fear too. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's like you can't – I've gotten this way by being in my masculine. Mm-hmm. So how could I be in softness and succeed even more?
1: Yes. It's like – sounds counterintuitive, but I feel like – you know who's a great example of that is Brie. Brie Melanson, I feel uh-huh. like. Like when she does, like she'll even say, she's like, I did the least. And it was yep, like know. the best thing I've ever done.
0: I know. I think Jenna Kutcher is such a good example uh-huh. of that too because. Great example. She's been an expander for me in that way. And I think you too where she's able to be soft and in her zone of genius in whatever that is, but also has her priorities in order. Yeah. I think when, and this isn't even about Hannah or anybody in particular, but when your priorities aren't in order for what you're doing or why you're doing it, or you don't have sort of like a, not like a limit for yourself, but like a sense of enoughness. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I'm making this much money. This actually feels really good. Yeah. I'm able to be with my family. I'm able to have balance. I'm able to spend, you know, time off and all those things. And you're just kind of doing, 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 and you're not really able to pull up and look why. Sure then you kind of get lost in the
1: chase and the rat race of it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very, you know, it's, it's a unique thing and also kind of a blessing of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. that like you potentially get to create that type of life imbalance because I'm thinking of people perhaps in a more, not linear, but like yeah. where if you stop working, it's like, what are you doing? And like you have to be on the track and then you get to the next point in that next promotion. Not to say one is better than the other at all, but it's like an interesting thing to where not everyone might feel like they can create that like freedom and softness and surrender in what they do because of what's expected of them from whether it's their boss or their company yeah. or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's just an interesting thing. Yeah. you could feel less
0: you know, like it's funny because coming from the corporate world where I was, it's like I would feel actually less, more able to do that because I didn't care. Right. I would be doing my thing. <laughs> totally, totally. So I would be able to be do that. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, fucking, I'm going to move my mouse a little bit so you guys see that I'm <laughs> green <laughs> and go chill out for however long. So it's just different. but. In this episode, we talk about little darkness recap. She gives her perspective on it, which is really fascinating for anyone who's interested in the darkness mm. or just learning about that type of healing modality and method. And then we talked uh, about her journey to where she was, and she had like a really big rebel phase. And part of her healing that she did in the darkness was around that part of her that was like pushing and hard and almost like a- motivated by self-hatred. Mm. and so many of us can be motivated by self-hatred, and she had a deep rebel phase, and I had a deep rebel phase too, and we were just talking about that, like the experience of feeling like you're kind of just bumping up against things to figure things out in the world and not feeling like you're good right? and that you've been marked as bad, and so then you kind of go on this path of being bad, in quotes. I think a lot of people have that experience in their life where maybe they're not on the, the track of being like, They're kind of rebelling against the track of either being perfect. So they're like, all right, I'm going to rebel. And that was like a teenage experience that we had. And we talked about the relationship to our bodies. And I know this is a conversation that our community loves to explore and engage in around body acceptance, body neutrality, and just their relationship with an ever-changing body. So we talked about that for someone that's been in fitness and nutrition and coaching for a very long time, has had a very you know, a physique that has ranged over the years from being very, very, very skinny, very ripped, very jacked to where she is at now, which she feels really good and, and looks amazing. How can we be in better relationship to our bodies? How can we support ourselves more as a soul rather than a body, but still have the goals that we want to achieve and be able
1: to achieve them? Yeah, I mean, the relationship with the body and how it evolves over time is such a a wild a wild ride. And, you know, it's the thing, and you've said this before, and we've said this before it's like it is with you all the time. It's the one thing that does not leave you and has carried you through so, so much. And so, you know, how much of our time is being spent trying to control it, trying to fix it, trying to morph it into something that we think should be? And how often are we really listening to what our body needs? is like a constant kind of check-in for, I think, a lot of us that needs to happen. I mean, our whole lives. I
0: mean, I can't imagine when I'm like going to be older and you're, you know, because we're in more so a prime. And so it's like what's happening when there's even more of that feeling of what our culture and society tells us is is right about us, is our youth a lot of times. And so you have that not really working for you and how like interesting that's going to be. But yeah, the body's like the ultimate best friend. Like we bully our bodies and it always is there for us, mm-hmm. you know, as best as it can be. And it's always adjusting to what we're going through. It's always like trying its best to process and hold and release and move through things in a way that feels good.
1: So any conversation we can have around body love is really, really good. Well, I'm excited for this conversation and I'm excited to meet her eventually. She's cool. In person. We'll, we'll meet her in Austin, actually.
0: Oh, fuck. Yeah. With Aaron Great. as
1: well. So I'm really
0: excited we'll be able to see her in Austin. It's Hannah Eden Fitness. And you can find her on Instagram at Hannah Eden underscore fitness. She's the best. So enjoy this one. Thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for sharing these episodes, for subscribing to the show. It means a lot. And I think it's just one of those things when you send someone an episode to start a conversation or to let them know you're thinking of
1: them, there's nothing more kind. Yes. And it also that conversation piece I think is so important because sometimes I feel like people just do the same old thing with their friends and so if you can have kind of a point of like depth that you can dive into it's the best so enjoy this one and we will see you on the other side love y'all this episode is brought to you by better help Ah, oh, therapy y'all I don't know I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy, so crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better, better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit. They make it easy and it's free to change but i've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it so i really really encourage you to start therapy it's been the best decision i've ever made for myself find more balance with better help visit betterhelp.com almost 30 today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better slash almost 30. okay i need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app um superhuman it was a 7 minute really vibey writing activation that I love so I had my journal out. Um yesterday I did a pep talk uh about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment for this day. Uh it's incredibly supportive. So
0: I'm so glad you're here. Me too. I'm literally so glad you're here. So we met at the Darkness Retreat. Yeah. And I feel like it was the most beautiful way to meet. It felt like, so Aaron, I knew Aaron Alexander, who was with us. I had met him before, but it felt like we were meeting again for the first time. And I even think for the way that we connected, it's like that environment just provided us this beautiful foundation of like truth and authenticity and realness. And I just felt like, I love you so much and I'm so grateful for you. And I feel like, I don't know if we would have connected in the same way if we would have just met at like an influencer. Oh, for
2: sure. We met in a place where I was scared. I know. You know, and I think real characters come out or real colors come out when you're in fear. Yes. And we didn't have to do, we got the bullshit out of the way.
0: Yes, 100%. Like
2: all of the stages, you know? Yes. So I'm very grateful for that experience. And I agree. It was like an instant connection.
0: Yeah. So for everyone listening, we both did a darkness retreat, which I did two episodes on it. And Hannah was with me during that time. So we got to hang out before. Yep. And then we got to hang out after. You did an extra day and night and being the morning of the last day coming out and then coming to get you out was honestly, I felt like Christmas morning.
2: Oh my gosh. And it felt so good to be received. Oh, my gosh. Without just Scott. Like, Scott was amazing, don't get me wrong, but for you guys to, like, come and get me and help me get out of the room, it felt so supported. And, oh, man, that was a life-changing experience for sure.
0: I'd love to hear about your takeaways and your experience in the dark.
2: Yeah, I think before going in, I was so – I've been working so hard to try and fix certain parts of myself that I've seen as a problem for many years of, like, this streak of anger and just always – thriving in with this aggression or this like masculine energy and so from the outside in I seemed to have like appeared to have fixed that so I was afraid of going in I thought when I went in I would lift the hood and be like terrified with what I saw underneath and it was all just like a facade but it didn't work out like that I lifted the hood and was so proud to meet myself in like the rawest form and there's not that the anger's gone It's still in there, I'm sure, in in some ways, but it's not something that I'm afraid of or embarrassed of anymore. I feel like I've harnessed the ugly sides of myself and like I've really truly metabolized the stuff that I used to think was bad about me.
0: Yeah, would you say with the anger, because it's so interesting because it's, you know, when I hear you talk, I've heard you speak a lot about that anger. And I think for a lot of women, we have that and we deem it as so bad and we're very scared of it, and we're very uncomfortable with it. But there truly is oftentimes this rage Mm -hmm. that so many of us have, whether it's from trauma, sexual abuse, or whatever your experience is. It doesn't even need to be that. But to be able to befriend it is such a beautiful thing. Where do you think your anger come from, that anger that you felt you... you Yeah.
2: And I've always wondered, but I think I've kind of finally figured it out. I think from having massive identity issue of like, okay... My dad's Chinese, my mum's Irish, but living in England. I look the way I look, but I have no idea about who I am. So I think the anger presented it's, it presented itself as anger, but it was never anger. It was shame, it was embarrassment. It was like not really understanding where I belonged and like being afraid of being bullied so that I became the bully. It like created this such a strong exterior because I was so fragile on the inside. Had definitely experienced things in life that had that were hard. That made me think, oh man, if I don't want to feel like this again, then build this armor, this shield. And I think that's really what the anger was. It was never really anger. It was never really aggression. It was just fear of being hurt. And over the years now, I recognize like, oh no, I think the anger's gone because I know exactly who I am. I have a full understanding of my identity and what I have to offer. And I love the parts of myself that I used to be very ashamed of.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had that. It was funny because we talked about the rebel period too. And that was like the period for, of anger for me was like feeling like the rebel phase of my teenage years. And I actually, before you came over, I was researching into the psychology of the rebel of the teenage years of, of women who are, or people that became rebels or the perceived rebel. And I couldn't find a lot of information. And so I actually want to do a little bit more research. But I feel like mine and that rebel phase I had was very much a reaction it was not safe to be soft. It was not safe to be emotional. For me, growing up as someone that's such a deep feeler, I've been an empath my whole life. And when I was very young and I did feel, it led me to depression as a child. You know, diagnosed with depression when I was very young, it led me to being swept up in everyone else's emotions and feelings. And where I was living, those weren't good emotions and feelings. So on the swing, I was like full, like exterior, heart exterior, like, you can't fuck with me type of vibe. And that led me to a lot of anger that I felt like I had. And I feel like for as a teenager, that is like a very normal feeling because I feel like we just wanted respect and I feel like I didn't have it.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Something that I've thought about is like, how do you feel like your rebel phase impacted your life? Like when you felt like you were a rebel?
2: Yeah, I I look at the rebellious stage and I think it has to do with identity, but I think there's also... I actually had this conversation with my family very recently. There was certain things that happened which gave me the courage after the darkness to have these uncomfortable conversations for what came up. And there was childhood trauma in our household, but it was mostly the story I'd been told like related to my brother. And so from that, my parents were incredible parents, did what they should have done, which any one parent would have done, which was to give my brother the attention he needed and I was like this independent girl, and if you ever hear about my parents talk about me, they're like, "Oh, you were fine, like you were so independent, you didn't need us, and as a child, of course, I needed you, you know, so then I would seek for attention, and the first stage of trying to feel recognized, which is now exactly what I do for a living, was let me rebel and get try and get my parents' attention. So I just did everything you can think of that would put any parent through the ringer, Let's and hear it. yeah, man, like I was dating a convicted felon that was in jail for like attempted murder <laughs> when I was like 14. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that because yeah. you're 14 you're like, what? I'm an old soul. <laughs> Seriously. Like I know what I'm doing uh, uh, here. I know everything about the world and try to keep it a secret. We'd write letters. Course. We'd go visit this guy in a it's maximum your, it's security crazy. prison. It's like a
0: weird love story yeah. in your head.
2: Oh, and I, he was innocent. You, went- you know, he wasn't. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, he didn't do it. He, why? Because he told me. Wait,
0: you <laughs> went? Told me. You went to visit him? In I prison would go visit him as a fourteen-year-old. Yes, dude, I as mean, a
2: minor. And how did you get there? His dad. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was juicy. And this is when shit hit the fan in our family because somehow I think the prison found and interfered with our letters, and they understood he was engaging with a minor. Or my mom found out about it and she called the prison, and it was like a four or five-hour drive. And I remember the last time that was like. The peak of all of this was that I had gotten in the car. My mom dropped me off at work that morning. The people that I worked with knew what I was doing and they like somehow supported that as well. Let me go with this guy's dad, drive four hours across the the freaking country to go to this maximum security. I get there and they're like, sorry, you can't go in. I was like, how come? Why? And they're like, your mom has called us. And then I had this massive blowout with my mom. She told me to leave the house. Like it was so disruptive. Of course. And so that was like the peak of the rebel And when you're stage. that age,
0: you're, this is a movie that you're living. Oh. And your mom doesn't understand the love that you have. No. And she doesn't understand him. No. What's happening in your mind is so crazy.
2: It's wild. wild. I justified it all. Of course. And I, I, I just was so I know bad. Him. Yeah. I know, I know him. I you don't, don't know him. him. He, yeah, you don't know him like I do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's wild. And the things that he did, like I've tried How, to still Google. Jail? Is he still in jail? No, he's not in jail anymore. Okay. He like did some really bad things, man. He like played tic-tac-toe with a knife on someone's skin. Like guns are illegal in England. Pistol whipped someone, let, stripped them naked. And you, what you could pick the story apart. And I've tried too many times as an adult because the person they did this to sexually assaulted a female cousin. Wow. of his so like this was his way of like rebelling and yeah. getting back and obviously two wrongs don't make a right totally. but you could maybe try and understand the motive Totally, not that it makes it okay like but it just is I, it feels like another life it I, feels like a different person that did that
0: I know it's I wild know. that's the thing too is like how could I not disassociate from my inner teen or the parts of me where I'm like oh god girl what were you doing yeah like every all the drug dealers in oh. Mason where I grew up I was dating all those drug yeah. dealers. I thought we were like Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> I was like, let's go do your deliveries. I'll sit in the front of your Camaro while we like literally listen to rap music and like burn our brains and all like be with you. Like that was like my Saturday.
2: Uh-huh. For a it's little bit. It's us until the end of time. It's
0: us until the end of time. What?
2: Seriously. Is going on? Like my poor mother.
0: And I was a child. mm mm-hmm. Full child. hmm <laughs> Most of and it was I was fourteen he was eighteen in this situation I'm like disgusting.
2: Oh, we talked about that too of like looking back at the age gaps. Oh, that god. I used to think was so normal. Oh my god, same. That are not okay. Uh huh. Same. Like what? What was going through same, my mind? But you,
0: it's weird because it was cool. Yeah. I guess there was an air of coolness. Yeah. I don't know if that gen our generation thinks it's cool, but the stuff that I just. But I think a lot of it, I knew in my mind, I was like, something's a little off. Like when I'd sit in the back of like a car and everyone would be smoking weed and we're like driving around the cornfields. I'm like, I don't really (sighs) like this, but I feel like I should.
2: Yeah. I always felt that that too. And I always use the question, like I use the term, why do I always come home? Like, why did I never go past? Like I was so deep into all of that world and that scene. like, But I always had this this thought in the back of my mind, like, I'm really disappointing my parents right now. What have they done to deserve this? Like there was always that because- I came from a beautiful household that my dad worked really hard, and through him working really hard, maybe he wasn't around enough. But like he did never do anything, no harm to me. My parents loved me so much, and they did every the best they could with what they had. And I just think about that a lot. It's like, why did I come home? Why? Because I was kicked out the house before I moved to the states. I wasn't gonna come here. Where'd you live? We were. I was like at a friend's house, which wow. Now I think about it, like that parent shouldn't have let me stay there. Yeah. She should have sent my ass home because my mom is devastated. Yeah. knocking on the door every day I'd like no I don't want to see her because she did ask me to leave but she didn't mean that she just didn't know what yeah. to do yeah she was so out of control of me that like, yeah. she was like get out and I was like all right and as soon as I started packing my bag she was like no don't go I was like oh. no you asked me to leave you know like yeah yeah it just wild, wild wild I mean the
0: pain and the reaction and I really want to figure that out more for you and your experience then that rebel turned into would you say perfectionist
2: totally of just seeking recognition And that's where I came to at the end of the darkness of like, my parents had to give my brother more attention when we were younger. So then I would like become this cute little independent child. And then I moved on to, I need their attention. They're not giving it to me. So I'm going to try and do it through being a rebel. Then it led to like trying to be goody two shoes, you know, and like trying to make them proud. And I never want to disappoint my parents again. And thank you for the second opportunity of starting life again in America. And Then it became seeking recognition, whether it was now it was through fitness, doing anything it took, put my body through hell and back. And now it's like, that's what we do, right? We're trying to create recognition. And I never understood why I did what I did. And now it's like, aha, light bulb. Cool. Like that's never really finding an answer or not trying to fix it, but just trying to understand it. Now I understand the motivation, I think, to try and build this internationally recognized brand. Like that takes a certain kind of mindset.
0: Yeah, in the Taoist philosophy, they call it the hungry ghost. Mm -hmm. And I think we, I think actually I talked about this with the amazing healer.
2: Oh, Adrian. Adrian. Yeah.
0: And my hungry ghost was my desire for connection. And the hungry ghost is this principle basically where it's like some part of you that is never fed and is never enough. And so for me, I will do anything to feel connection with people. Mm -hmm. And that is abandon myself, that is be codependent, that is, you know, just basically live my entire life with this deep, hunger that is never fed to connect with people. And that shows up for me as in situations with people never really letting myself be seen, never letting myself be heard and really focusing on the other the entire time. Like even when Adrian first came and met me at the retreat in the darkness retreat, I was so emotional. My nervous system was just freaking going crazy because I knew that I was going to be in a situation with someone where I had to share openly and be intimate and I had to talk about myself and I have trust issues with people and I don't really like opening up to people I don't know and I don't like having the expectation of feeling like I need to perform for someone. So if I meet someone that's a healer, I'm like, I want have, I want her to have a great experience.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let I, me give her everything she wants. I want her to have a
0: lot of fun. Yeah, We're going to make this fun and interesting. I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to do this. I want to make sure she's, ha- she's having a great time. So, I'm so concerned about the other, but my hungry ghost was that. So, you sort of figured out this part of you that's like, you know, just pushing and pushing and pushing. How have you worked with that energy? Because I feel like there's a lot of women in my community. I'm sure there's a lot of people in your community as well that have that desire and drive. And it's like a razor thin line of, I'm doing this for validation, but also this is a true purpose and passion of mine. So how do you work with those two things?
2: It's been a really interesting journey because without having these answers that I found like in the recent years, my drive was on fire and I wasn't really sure why I was so determined to get to the next stage or whatever I was doing, but all I knew was that it was working. It was like this growth trajectory. And in the recent years, as I've started to find more stillness and slow down and really like look in. It has helped me feel so much comfort in my own skin, so much peace with who I am, but it has also like diluted my drive, this like all or nothing mentality and this intense That's your intensity. That's Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. So now I'm juggling a little bit of between both of like, okay, so I've quote unquote healed so much that used to be the driving force, but who am I if I don't have this motivation of anger and this like seeking something you know? Yeah. So now I'm in this space of like, okay, I am at peace and now I need to make sure that I'm doing things for the right reasons and doing it because I want to do it that lights me up. I don't need to do it to prove the world or to prove myself. You know, it's like, no, I, I've achieved a lot, but you can also feel fulfillment along the journey yeah, and finding I think the that's balance. That's
0: so important. And I feel like a lot of creators and people in our situation are sort of moving more to that where it's like, why are we doing this? Why are we on this hamster wheel? And even if you're not a creator, you could be in that life where you're like, what am I seeking for? What am I working so hard for? And, you know, when we were in our darkness, that was something the first night when Scott came to me in our room. First of all, I thought it was 9 p.m. at night. (laughs) This is
2: so funny. I
0: literally was like, he's coming so late and this is so rude. But I was going crazy. I was literally like, am I doing this for you? Did you come and talk to me about this and you convinced me and I'm not even doing this for myself? am i doing this for my audience am i doing this to say that i that i'm doing it and i think that's what's hard about my experience in this world that i'm in is that there is a lot of me that does these things because of the true desire and curiosity that i have for my own potential and for this human experience but then there's also like this is a cool ass story yeah i want to tell you guys about this thing yeah and i don't know and i don't know really how i'm going to peel work like i don't know how i'll peel back from that but it's a thing that I think with social media, almost everyone in the world has to juggle now mm-hmm. because we show and share everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pain pain is a big driver for me. And anything that I've done that is like, whoa, that's crazy that you were able to do that or the stories that I get to tell, Yes, a lot of the motivation was pain. And now I'm in a place where like life is a lot more peaceful. There's not quite so much pain that's popping up left, right and center that it's like, motivating me to try and freaking bike around iceland or do a 240 mile bike ride in one shot like now i'm like what how how, where am i going to find this energy to like keep performing but now it's like well maybe i don't need to do those things
0: do you think it was like were you addicted to the adrenaline totally what do you think is like the physiological connection between that
2: totally adrenaline and totally like the the idea of a misogi right of like being able to do something that you think is impossible with the right training at hand or when someone tells me, like, this whole idea of, like, you tell me I can't and watch me, that's great to a certain degree. But when that's all you have, that's exhausting, you know? And I am older now and uh, super aware of, like, the things that I've done. I believe that it's, like, the analogy of, like, a sand timer, right? Your body or your health or whatever. You hit it upside down and the sand's going to come out. So, like, decide what you decide to do because I let a lot of sand out of that that thing. In, like, the last five years, I think, about what I've done, put my body through. Yeah. And it's wild, so I think that there is an addiction. Like, it's a chemical, right, that I'm chasing. And it brought a lot of success, but it doesn't mean that that, it's like differentiating or trying to create the separation of like, that doesn't make me who I am. The red hair isn't my isn't my identity. The girl that can jump this high or lift this much weight, like, there's so much more to me than that. And I think I found that really hard to, to see myself. And now I do, it's like, aha, okay, like, let's pivot then I'm not in one lane. Like we can do a lot more that's not just doing really hard things.
0: Yeah. And that's, I probably think, you know, if we would have met when you were more in that, like I would not have been able to connect with you in the way Mm -hmm. that I am now because now it's so much more of the human, what Mm -hmm. I perceive. But I do want to talk about, you know, being in your space of fitness. It's like, what is the experience like of being so body focused? And that's part of your identity too, is I'm ripped, I'm jacked, I have this, you know, amazing body. How does that feel and how do you navigate that when you don't want that to be the
2: full focus anymore? So much has changed in the last, since the pandemic, the pandemic crippled me and it made me stop. And that's when I really went on this journey of like trying to heal and and really understand who I am and why I do what I do. But it's sad to say, but it is a huge part of the success. And I've noticed since I'm not at 6% body fat, like you don't get the phone calls to be on the front page of a magazine anymore. But then it's like, okay, like that's so shady. And like that for me, like I have so much awareness. Like if that's all I was here for, then come on, like you don't know me kind of thing. But it was a lot of pressure. But when I was in it, I didn't know that because it was just so easy. Like I loved to perform at that level. I didn't think that I was performing to try and feel pain. I didn't understand what it was because I was just moving so fast. It was just what I did. So I, I did feel the pressure to look a certain way. And unfortunately, the opportunities were far higher with red hair and a six pack and ridiculously low body fat. But I am so aware of what that was doing, like on a health level. And that's when things like slowed down in the pandemic. And I was like, oh, wow, wow, like I'm a joke. Like I thought I built this brand based on authenticity. I'm so far away from that right now. Like I'm making the world see me that way, but I'm not authentic. Like I am not happy. I am achieving everything and not feeling anything. My head's falling out. I haven't had a period for a year and a half. I stopped to to go, whoa, like zoom out. Let's look at this. Like, well, you're doing a disservice because this is not what you need to look like. This is not what you need to do if you want to be healthy and fit. You know, it's actually the total opposite. Yeah. So it's just rewiring.
0: Because I mean, I mean, I watch your stuff and I'm like, dude, how do you even deal with having your a video on your body every day? yeah like it's like how do you are you just so used to it yeah okay yeah and I don't even think about it
2: yeah and I am I also try not to like create the fitness workouts I'll just yeah. do workouts and someone will document it love it you know yeah. usually eyes are closed like someone just comes into the room and they just yeah. like capture what I'm doing yeah but the less shape I'm in and now I start to be like oh can you stand on that side and can you get lower like I never was there wow. before and I'm super aware of that too and I think showing up in every form of myself is the best way that I can be. And like, it's seasonal, right? Mm. We go through being on top of our nutrition and on our workouts to like, I've worked out twice in the last 10 days and I'm cool with that. And before I came here, I had a dope curry with some fries and like, the balance is okay for me now. And I think that that's what people want. And that's the new season of fitness of like, being honest and just finding harmony. Balance doesn't really exist, I don't believe, but feeling harmony and like being at peace with it all.
0: When you talked about, you know, losing your period and the red hair and that kind of identity that you had in the six pack. And a lot of this is, you know, in my world, in the spirituality world, it's like, this is the masculine, you know, being in the masculine is that push, it's that drive, it's that like succeed or else. What are your thoughts on like masculine and feminine energy? And have you, do you feel like you've been in your masculine and you want to balance or what is your experience with that?
2: really funny because before like uh, if you had asked me that five years ago I would have been like what does that mean Totally, you know or even three years ago I was of like course. huh yeah and I am a very masculine woman and I understand that and when I moved to Austin and was surrounded by these people that were talking about the divine masculine energy and feminine 100%. I was like I was like wow like I think I'm there's something wrong uh, I was like yes. I'm in the I'm too masculine I'm too this I'm too that but the more and more I look at it I'm like no I I love the way I am I love backcountry camping and doing survival shit. I like doing hard things. Like, I do think there was an ounce of like doing these things to prove myself or to feel something. But since I've kind of healed that and become super aware of you can't do that or why are you trying to lift the same amount as the boys? Why is it that you need to always be with the boys and opening up myself and becoming a softer version of myself? Now I like love that, and I think it's a good balance. Yeah, I still love my bubble baths and spa days, and like having cuddles on the couch with my girls. Like, I think that if you are happy and it's not bringing um, toxic Mm -hmm. space into your life, like, I think trying to find this balance of it is like you're always going to fail, and that's that doesn't feel good for me.
0: Yeah, it's like working on someone else's formula. With it. And I feel like every, this is the whole thing. If anything that you're doing is being used to shame yourself and to move you further away from your own wholeness mm-hmm. and your own like self-love, it's not for you. Right. And that's why sometimes the masculine feminine conversation kind of loses me because I do feel like I also was doing that too. When I was building Almost 30 with Lindsay, I was working my full-time job. And I was in so much debt and we were trying to build a business. I was like full on in my masculine all the time. And it didn't feel good. I had hormone health issues. I didn't feel like I was being myself. Me and Lindsay's relationship was so much more sticky than it is now. It's so beautiful now. And like I did feel like I was like trying to – I was like I'm in my masculine. I know that's bad. And and I was just using that as a way to feel – shame about myself and sort of hate myself but what I was doing was like trying to survive Mm -hmm. trying to make my dreams happen and so I do invite people listening that when we're thinking about balancing our energies you're going to have your own unique formula Mm -hmm. you might have a little bit more masculine than someone else a little bit more feminine and you just have to do what feels good for you and what makes you feel the most whole
2: yeah and if you are in your masculine I think a lot of people think that there's something wrong or like what is she running from what is she trying to work through there could be an ounce of that. But a lot of the times it's like, no, I just like to do these things. Totally. Totally.
1: I am juggling quite a bit lately. I have a new baby, um, six months in and, uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And, um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health Passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, uh, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, so let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets, whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code ALMOST30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code ALMOST30 for 20% off site-wide.
0: When you're talking about healing the part of you that wants to prove yourself, what? I guess, did it start with the darkness or for anyone listening, how can they think about healing that part of them that wants to prove themselves too?
2: I had to slow down to see what I was doing, you know, to zoom out and be like, okay, I used to always try and figure out like, why am I the way that I am? Why am I willing to do whatever it takes? And I'll sacrifice relationships. I'll sacrifice my health. I'll sacrifice anything to quote unquote, become successful. Like I had to stop and go, okay, what is success? And not, it, everyone's answer is going to be different right but I had to understand what success meant to me and I've landed on this I think being successful as being truly authentic and not having to wear all these different masks for different areas in your life whenever I was able to do that it was like oh okay like I know what I'm trying to achieve and now I don't need to do it in a way of like life or death it's like we can slow down we can be present we can be super conscious of what we're doing and why we're doing it and it be- makes the journey so much more enjoyable and I look at all the things that I've been able to do, all the places that I've been able to see, the money that I've made. For the first five years of this journey, like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just running so fast. And now I just realize like this whole idea of like fulfillment versus achievement. Like one doesn't come without the other. Like you can do both. So if you're trying to make it and you'll do whatever it takes and you you'll sacrifice everything to try and get there slow down, zoom out, find stillness. It's the one thing that I wish I did because it was in the stillness that all of these things were like, ah, this is it, ah, this is it. But I've never slowed down enough to see like, okay, what is it that you're chasing? Why are you doing this? And understanding what it means to be successful and why do you need to be successful? What does that mean?
0: So it's basically slow down is huge and then understanding what success means to you as the second point and then I think also what you said about masks it's like figuring out what masks you're wearing Mm -hmm. you know and how those are participating in you feeling like you need to prove yourself because the mask is really the mask of proof Mm -hmm. proving yourself Mm -hmm. you know it's not in your authenticity we all wear masks all the time and it's not like they're bad but really understanding the ones that you're wearing what are some of the masks that you wear or that you wore
2: like I would show up and be so kind and like empathetic to everyone that didn't matter. And then my poor husband oh yeah, is yeah. the one that does matter, you know, that got the ugliest side of myself because I was so depleted. I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I was so frustrated. I was so over it that the person that I love the most, that matters the most got the worst version of me.
0: That's very, very common. Yeah. I, I'll never forget feeling that. I was like, whoa, what's this experience where I'm like, Giving, giving, giving. Then I'm coming home. I'm like, let's just fucking chill on the couch. Yeah. Watch TV. I don't really, can't really talk. I don't want to talk. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. If you matter the most, you should be getting the most of my energy output. Mm-hmm. But I have people that I don't know as, you know, people that are like in my DMs getting my most energy output. Yeah. It's like, what?
2: Yeah. Another mass would be the fitness professional, right? Of like, people look up to me as this person that has it all together that, shouldn't drink, shouldn't smoke a joint, shouldn't eat fried food, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that that I would limit myself. I remember like my, my 24th birthday in New York City. I, we got bottle service and like I come from a I love partying, mm-hmm. right? She's as a party girl. I, I'm a party girl and as I've gotten older like now the thought of being in a nightclub makes me want to throw it up but seem you know, but that used to be In my head, a I'm like, box. I'd love to go. Yeah. And then I go, I'm like, like it's 10 PM. You know, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like someone's looking at me. I've got to go home. Seriously. <laughs> yes. And then it's, that's what happened to me. I remember we went to New York, had this massive group of friends staying in this beautiful place, getting all these experiences, getting bottles. And then someone took a picture of me dancing on a table. I ruined the whole night. Why? Because I was ashamed. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh wow! Uh, this is not a good look. The brands that have hired me Are going to be disappointed. I could lose these. And like, I limited my life because of this mask that I put on. But a real professional is honest. And like, I know some of the fittest people in the world, they do the same things that that party people do, you know? If you want to sustain that level of fitness, you have to bring excitement, joy, fun into your life. That doesn't mean that you need to say no and pick grains of rice off your plate because it doesn't fit your macros. Like, that's not sustainable. And we're doing a disservice if we present ourselves that way. That was a big mask for me, a big, big mask for me.
0: I mean, if we think about the example, so for people listening, you know, for thinking about masks, using that example, the reason why that's a mask is because something happened that triggered you to feel like you're being out of your authenticity in that moment because you're not filling or checking the boxes of what the mask of fitness professional is. Right. So fitness professional doesn't dance on tables, I work with brands, I'm only eating these things. So this mask is like sort of being interrupted by this experience. I think for me, a lot of the masks I would wear was like a route. Yeah. Perfectionism being perfect. Like I have realized how much I will do to avoid disappointing people and how much I will do, how far I will go out of my way, how much I will abandon myself to like let people down Mm -hmm. and just like kill myself so I have the mask of like if anyone sees me as anything but perfect yeah and it's crazy because I'm I say how I feel on the podcast and I'm as authentic as I can be but it's like it's so nuanced like if someone ever said like you know you really disappointed me or something I'd be like what do I have to do yeah what do I have to do to like yeah make them like me or make them be be with me with you know your body and the relationship to your body. And I think this is so important because so much of my community, we talk about the relationship with our body. Because as women, it's so nuanced. And what I've realized over time, interviewing many women, some of the most successful in the world, almost all of us have a conversation about our body in our heads. And I remember when we were at the coffee shop, you were showing us pictures. When you were like very, very, very thin, and you you are still thin, you look amazing. But there was an experience where it seemed like you were being restrictive, mm. and it seemed like there was a time in which you were very controlling about your body. Can you talk a little
2: bit about that? Yeah, I've had a lot of history of having a terrible relationship with food, and I look back to like high school and chomping on laxatives. I think we talked about yep. that, and that was got- Lindsay's
0: thing. I was I was in uppers. I was I was doing hydroxy cuts. I didn't want to shit. I just wanted to be tweaking the fuck out.
2: Yeah, I moved on to snorting out raw toilet seats. Like, that was a different stage. But it's funny because I look back at trying to find the root cause of the eating disorders. And I don't actually think I wanted to be skinny. I don't actually think that I thought that I was fat. I think I wanted attention. Back to that recognition thing, right? And I remember- Attention
0: for being a certain size. Yeah, or like Mm
2: -hmm. heads would turn. My Mostly my parents would be concerned. Right. And I remember in college, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was working three jobs. I was so so addicted to Adderall and cocaine and like. Were you prescribed to it? I was prescribed in high school and I faked like what I remember a questionnaire I had to fill out that my mom had to sign and I faked her signature. So my doctors prescribed me Adderall when I was 16 without parental consent you know that led down a spiral and then I moved to Florida she'd send my prescriptions in the mail and then tell me that I should take a little bit more after my extended release and worn out like feeding me Adderall that then just turned into a very long-term addiction to that drug that then you just don't eat right and I remember working a lot and I was performing I was a high performer so I went to college I got best portfolio I wanted to get A's like what did did you go to college for photography wow yeah Wild, right? Threw Uh, me for a loop. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Great experience. One of the professors there, I wanted to make him proud. He was like the hardest guy. And so for one of his classes, I was like submitting my finals. I'd stayed up for days on end because I'd either go to work, partied my ass off, and then still try and perform at school. And I got down to to like 105 pounds. I was tiny. How tall are you? 5'9". Jesus Yeah, I was a bag of bones. I was absolutely tiny. And I live with one of my best friends. And I think she must have called my mom and been like, I'm so concerned about Hannah. You guys need to come down. And right before they came down, I went to submit my finals, stood up and like fainted because I was just like totally depleted. And it got attention. It got what I was looking for, apparently, which was my parents to get on a plane and fly down and give me this intervention and stock my f- fridge with unsure because they wanted me to gain weight. And it was Classic. like, it was like this whole thing. So I look back at that time. and I look at how I look, view myself now. and even. At earlier stages of my career, I remember thinking in the moment, I'm so not ready. I'm not photo shoot ready. I'm not photo shoot ready. I'd show up to the photo shoot, do whatever. I had to feel lean. And now I look at those photos and I'm like, are you kidding me? You were in killer shape. And the way that you view yourself is all determined by what's going through your mind. And I'll go through that now too of like, I'm in better shape now than I have been at certain parts of my career when I was, I remember feeling like the sexiest, the fittest, the strongest woman ever what's changed and it's totally my mind and the things that we feed ourselves or the thoughts that we tell ourselves then that's how we see ourselves so for anyone that's in that space of like I need to fix my body before you focus on the the body parts like no 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 let's like fix the way that you're talking to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror take your clothes off and tell yourself you're fucking beautiful not I'm this I'm that or I shouldn't wear this I shouldn't wear that this I think I've spoken about this quote before but like The whole idea of I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. So we don't wear that dress because we think someone in the room is going to think that we look fat or we don't wear that shirt because of X, Y, and Z. When as an adult woman, when have you ever walked into a room and gone, "Mm, she looks this, she looks that. It's like, you don't, you don't, which means no one does that. We're doing that to ourselves. So fix the way that you talk to yourself and you will see something radically different in the mirror. When you look at your real aesthetic.
0: Yeah, we're the ultimate bullies. Yeah. But I think what's most important about that, and I'm curious if you agree, is that most of this dialogue is happening subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to bring it to your conscious mind because when I'm saying out loud, like, you look like a fat piece. You look fat. It's like, you think that when you say that, you're like, oh, but it's happening so subtly. It's like you don't catch it. And so, being able to catch the things you're saying to yourself is so, so, so important because in your mind, when you're addicted to Adderall and you're doing all these things, you're not really conscious of yourself being like, we need to be smaller. I'm not, right. you know, we, right. like you might be saying, I'm not photo shoot ready, but you're like, we need to be smaller. Yeah. I need to not eat. Yeah. We need to like take more. We need to do all these things. And in the body journey, it's just so important to be able to understand your mental dialogue that you have with yourself related to your body because that's like, it's everything.
2: And there's, I remember going through some really hard times, like in the last year, there's this app called I Am. Yeah. And there's, but you can choose your category. There's wow. like body positivity, like mental resilience, self-confidence, self-acceptance. You can choose all these things. And if you are in a place where you are so unhappy with the, in the skin that you're in, because those thoughts do happen that sometimes are subconscious, right? It's being aware of it enough to... Put this app on your phone that sends you 25 reminders a day. If you can't put those thoughts, the positive thoughts into your mind, allow this little tool to help you because before you know it, you do read it. Yeah. It does pop up. It's on my watch. It's on my phone. Oh, and I love that. It does it so much that it is, it's like a, a an automated thing that will become a conscious habit at some mm-hmm. point.
0: Yeah. And doing therapy work is really helpful for that. The mother wound work is really helpful for that, too. I wanted to talk a little bit about something we were talking about right before this, before we hopped on and started recording, was trusting your intuition. Mm. And something that you were saying, you're like, I actually trust, I'm actually having a hard time with this. And I think it's so relatable. We all go through these periods where we just feel so connected to ourselves. Yeah. Yes. There's no better feeling in the world for me than when I feel connected to myself. But when I do feel like I don't trust myself or my intuition, oh, it's like, It's the most heartbreaking thing because you're like, this is like so important to me and you feel lost and it's hard to trust people. What's been your experience like recently just feeling like you lost that connection to your intuition?
2: Yeah, I've had some recent events that have happened in my life and in my business that have led me to question everything and to mostly question myself because I remember with the horrible result of what it is that I'm going through right now, which I won't go too much into details, I remember like a year ago feeling like something was off, but then like judging myself for feeling like I was overstepping, am I micromanaging? Are you this crazy person that you should just leave, let these people have space to try and let them show you themselves and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't listen to myself, even though I felt it in my gut, like something's not right here, this is a red flag. And I dismissed all of that. And here we are, like everything I was feeling was for the the right reasons. And that's a really weird place to be because it's like, okay, I saw this coming, but I didn't have the confidence to speak up. And now I'm in the place of like, biggest lesson to take away is trust yourself, listen to yourself. And when you're feeling something, it's typically there for a reason. But now it's like this horrible place of, okay, I'm aware of that. These certain events have happened. But now, as I move forward and I try and make other decisions, I'm like not trusting myself either because it's like, well, the reason why you went forward with that experience is because you thought you knew what you were doing. And turns out that wasn't the best choice. And I'm still in it. I haven't healed it yet. I'm still trying to figure out like how do we – because it knocked my confidence so bad, so bad. And trusting that the next people that come into my life are going to be the right people. And then if you go in with a scarcity mindset, how are they ever going to be their full self if you're already doubting things from the beginning? It's like i got some work to do to try and fix or heal that.
0: I wonder if you could reframe it and be like – my gut was actually right. And I did. And the action was wrong. So it's like the gut was right. So you should be able to still trust it because what it was telling you was correct. Yeah. But the action was more probably in fear or scarcity. And so the action wasn't what you should have done. And also it's just thinking about how hard it actually is as a woman to have this intuition that doesn't always make sense. You know, some of the red flags you can't really explain. It's just energy. You're like, this doesn't feel good. It feels off. It's hard to explain in words and in the world it's sometimes like what are you talking about yeah you know that's crazy like what do you mean you need examples i need data i need all this information and so when that's being told to you too it's hard to stop and be like actually i want to stop this for a reason that i can't explain right it's really challenging yeah it is especially in the business world you know and you get so far in and for me there's also that people pleasing element where it's like how am i prioritizing this person's experience over what i know to be true And what I would know to be true would be like, this isn't working for me. This is a red flag. But I would have probably done what you did and been like, oh, I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want to hurt their
2: feelings. I don't want to overstep. I don't want to overstep. I
0: don't want to be seen as crazy. You know, I'd be so concerned about how this other person is experiencing me or perceiving me that I would forego my intuition. And I did that so much in my life. But I just giving yourself more grace because I do feel like we get so hard on ourselves in these situations. And it's like. The intuition is always there. It's always speaking to us. It was speaking to you correctly. And it's actually kind of better that you had that situation rather than being like, I really thought this was it. Right. You know, and being like, this was, you know, that feeling where you're like, wait, fuck that. I actually had no hit. And then this happened. And
2: you get blindsided. Yeah, totally, totally. So
0: how has it impacted your relationships? Do you feel more hesitant in business relationships and personal relationships?
2: I feel like in business, I'm extremely hesitant. I'm finding it really hard to trust the next thing and I'm now I'm trying to listen to my intuition but not react on it. I give it time, talk it through with someone that I do trust. But when it comes to friendships, it's actually been this beautiful experience because I have been known to have a guard up and not trust people and it's like no 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 like there is so much beauty in letting the guard down, letting people see you, like all of you. And sometimes the best rela- our relationship started that way of like showing this more vulnerable side yes. and I think that from this experience that I've been going through that's been a freaking disaster, it pushed me to look at that side of myself and to find softer edges and to be more vulnerable around women especially and understand that there are so many incredible people in the world, but if they only see just a little bit of you, then they won't get you. And so I've gotten far deeper connections and friendships from this experience of being aware, Mm -hmm. being super aware of myself.
0: Yeah, even like when we first met, you know, I wanted to reflect something back to you that for me is like a non-negotiable now in my relationships is like, you are an incredible listener that is like very present. And when you're listening to me, I can tell you're actually, it makes me emotional. I can tell you're actually listening and I can tell you actually care what I'm saying. And I remember there were moments where we would be deep in conversation and some other person would come up and it was like, we paused, like we psychically knew, we're like, pause, pause. And then we'd like continue our little conversation when we got privacy later. And then there's also this experience where I knew you knew something about other people, but never shared anyone else's information. Like I can tell in all of our situations and circumstances, you are very, very good with people's secrets and information. Like I was just kind of watching and noticing that. I was like, wow, you really can be trusted with secrets and with things. So I just wanted to reflect how amazing of a listener and space holder you are and how intentional you are with the people in your life. And that for me is like a non-negotiable, in my relationships now, because people listening to me is so important. I'm very sensitive to when people check out, when people go unconscious, when people don't care, when Mm. when I'm off, like I'm out. And then I'll make it all about them and I'll kind of find other ways to make connections subconsciously. But what are your non-negotiables in your relationships now, like your friendships?
2: That's awesome. That, first of all, thank you very wow. much. And I feel like I haven't always been like that. And really? so it's Really? Yeah. We were going through the poll, right, of the questions that came through. And it yeah. made me think someone said something like, if you could change one thing, what would it be? And I like to think that I don't really have many regrets. Even if yeah. they were horrible situations, they were still part of the journey that taught me something to get to who and where I am now. But if I could change one thing, it would be to be more present, to be more of who I am now, because for the first five years, again, in that mentality of like, the only way is forward and like, grind, 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 grind. You're living
0: in the future forever. Totally.
2: That I was missing so much. I was, you know, whether you want to call the word choice or sacrifice, I was choosing to miss so much. And I mean, like experiences with family or babies or friends and birthdays and weddings and funerals and like. I was too busy, you know, and I wish I ever had that's a big regret. It's like you don't have to do one or the other, you can do both. Again, back to that achievement and fulfillment at the same time. So I think that I am hyper aware of the people that were on my team. Like we had many different businesses, and if I was ever in the gym, I was never there. I was like in and out or like people were trying to talk to me like, yeah, I got to go or I have a meeting or, you know, like well, I wasn't my, present. My
0: identity is busy.
2: Yes. I'm totally. Busy. Totally. My identity
0: is busy. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then I realized halfway through the journey, like people stop calling and it's not because they don't want you to be there, but they just think you're too busy.
0: Totally. You know,
2: and I remember being like, whoa, like that's not a good feeling. You stop and you look around. You're like, wait, where are all my people? Where are my people at? And they're not going to wait for you. Right. And they're not going to keep tolerating that you're too busy because we're all freaking busy, man. We've all got the same time in a day. So there's something that I've been really working on. So the fact that you see that and you feel that, okay. thank you very much. I appreciate that. But non-negotiables and relationships is I never do anything expecting anything in return. And we talked about equals, right? But I noticed going into this year, I have a lot of friends, a lot of great dear friends and close friends. But I kept recognizing with a couple of my friendships that I was the one to call. I call every day if they were going through something hard. Then it became like an expectation that I would call, so I, tr- I like played a little bit of a game, which isn't not right, but like I was like, this "Right now, okay." So I did. I this. just started. I was like, "You know what? I'm not gonna call, and I'm gonna see if I get a call." Because they also are know hyper aware that my world is crumbling in some relatively right, like in some certain places, yeah. like shit is hitting the fan in my world too. Not to compare, that I think everyone's hard things are very unique to every individual, but I didn't get a call, and three months goes by, you know, and I'm like. Huh, okay, Like that's not a friendship, it shouldn't be a one way street or expectations now they they're always going to call me so I don't need to so that was a big thing of like feeling like there's effort being put in both ways, I think is big, and also just checking in because we're on Instagram, we're doing things, but like I don't expect my friends to to watch my stories to catch up with me and I don't consume much social media, so I'm not on everyone's profiles and seeing what's happening in their life every day like. Communication, I think, outside of social media is still something that is so important to me and not just expecting that if you posted it online, people know about it. If something happened in your life, send me a picture. Totally. Send me a video. Send me a voice note. Let me know what's happening. So I think that like, out above and beyond communi- communication yeah, and real communication.
0: Yeah, I made a commitment. I think, I don't know when it was, but I was like, I don't want to share anything on social media that Core doesn't know mm-hmm. yet. Because what I was doing was like, there's a false sense of intimacy on social media. So I would share whatever it was I was feeling and going through because I'm not on the hook for someone to respond. So I can just say whatever. I'm like, this is what I'm going through, blah, blah, blah. And essentially, like, I don't have anyone else that I'm sharing with because it's, you know, I'm sharing with my amazing community who I love. But it's not like a one-on-one when I'm right. with someone. There's actually a risk if you share deeply, vulnerably with someone else that you love. And I didn't want that. I was doing that quite a bit where people would call me and they'd be like, hey, what's this? Or what's going on with this? And I felt, it's like, oh, that, that probably doesn't feel good that I'm telling a bunch of other people over you and I want to be able to be in relationship. And for me, I find it hard to open up with people when it's only about me, I'm kind of one of those people where I la- I wait till it's like gonna fucking boil over. It's like, and then I just erupt and I'm like, I need total space. I'll like cry or whatever. But it's hard for me up until that point to be someone that's fully vulnerable with people because I'm so sensitive to if they, if they care or not. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell if they don't care. So I'll check out. and I'm like, yeah, this is pointless anyways. I need people wouldn't care. But I think the social media part's really important. And the friends that you've kind of let go of, like what's that experience been like? Because our community is really in the season of friendships and really reevaluating the people they're spending time with.
2: Yeah, it's been hard, you know, but I think with we all have so much capacity. yeah. And with letting go of certain old friendships, new beautiful relationships have blossomed. I think I also have one more thing that I didn't really realize that was like a non-negotiable of surrounding my people, myself with people that, not on the same journey by any means, but understand and respect what I do yeah, yeah. and not feeling guilt of like not being 100% available all the time. Like if it, if I don't call you this day or if I'm not showing up to this thing, it's not because I don't care about you. It's not personal. You just have to understand that I'm also on my own journey and I need to have that level of respect for what I do. And I have a lot of friends that I love dearly that I've had with my life for 10, 12, 15 years. But a lot of those friendships, they ebb and they flow, right? It's like sometimes they're all on and sometimes they're not. But when they're not, I can't feel guilty for the not because, again, the line goes both ways. And not that I don't care. It's not personal. But when we catch up, I don't want to feel like this is a guilt trip as to what I've missed. You know, it's like it's that's that's a hard place for me to be in because then you feel guilty. Yeah. And that's not a good feeling. Well,
0: oftentimes it's if people aren't doing what we're doing, they're watching your stuff, perceiving some perceiving what, what you know, if to take responsibility, what we're trying to perceive, which is life is beautiful, life is amazing. You know, we're not always doing that, but so then they're having their own idea of the experience, and they're also feeling like I'm having the experience too, but you're not witnessing my experience in the same way I'm witnessing yours online, right? And you're not really understanding or being there for my experience, but yeah, I mean, the energy and the psychic energy that I spend being concerned. And feeling like I'm holding all of my relationships is insane. Mm-hmm. Like I just sometimes in going walking around, I'm like, okay, I've got like my checklist. I'm like, call this person, text this person. I've got to make sure that we're okay. I've got to make sure we're doing this. And it's so exhausting. And this year, my goal is to liberate myself from that and be okay with the relationships that don't withstand because of it. And even over Christmas, I used to be the person that was like the texter on Christmas, the caller on Christmas. It's like, hey, everyone, you know, like, and I love people and I want them to know how much they mean to me. But this year I was like, we're not. We texted. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm not going on my way to text people that I don't think will text me or message me. And I'm not going to be the person that is holding on to this relationship because in truth. I do love them, but also there is the part of me that's probably holding on, if I'm really honest, because I want to feel like I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. Right? It's 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 really actually self-motivated. Yeah. What's a fear of being abandoned. Yeah. It's a fear. I think when we think about these things, oftentimes I think people think that they're so righteous and they're like, I care about people. I love people. It's like, eh, that's oftentimes very self-motivated. Mm-hmm. And I want this year to feel more clear in the relationships where it's like, I know this person, I know where we stand, and I know how we interact and engage, and I feel confident in that if we don't talk, it's all okay. Yeah. You know, if we don't talk, we understand how we want to function as friends.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I like that.
0: Okay. So 2023, if, if this year had like a title for it for you, what would you, what would you say it is? <laughs>
2: So we had two words that we were going. We always do this two-word thing. You and Paolo? Yeah. And confidence and commitment. So I guess confidently committed would be the title for this year. more. I
0: feel like you're always confidently committed, though.
2: I have lost so much confidence over the last year. Wow. Oh, yeah. How so? From decisions, from... Probably
0: taking off the masks,
2: too. Yeah, big time. Because it's like your
0: ego is being fed in a certain way, so it's feeding... This self, this confidence that isn't really real but feels real. Mm-hmm. So when you take them off and you slow down, you can feel really insecure.
2: Yeah, big time. Yeah, and I it's probably the first time actually, wow. which is I'm so grateful for that because I've been doing this for a while. Yeah, but uh, I feel like with that insecurity though, I feel like more relatable now. Oh yeah, I can understand mm-hmm. more about my community than I think I've ever been able to because I just didn't quite get it, you know. So there's that, and when I say committed. I'm committed to trying new things and I've always liked to do new things, but all in a safe space in an area that like I have expertise or experience in. I want to commit to like diversifying my business, diversifying me. I want to get more into uh, psychology, but I'm just not going to say I want to get more into psychology. I want to go back to school. I want to learn more. I want to commit to doing these things to better myself and to open up options for whatever my future may be. I absolutely love fitness. Fitness is always going to be a part of my life. But the fitness aspect right now is so big that it's so disconnected for me. I talk to a camera and then I put it out to thousands. I don't get that response. I'm not engaged with my community. I feel overwhelmed if I try and stay up to date with our Facebook community or my DMs. Like It's still technology. So we're doing more commitment to being in person. So these in-person retreats, Having a very, rather than trying to sell out to 500, it's like, no, let's get 10 people there. Like kind of commit to yeah. not being afraid if numbers are smaller because the connection is going to be deeper and like yep. just switching things up and being more committed to my marriage, being more committed to anything that I do. Like I used to be so spread thin because I was committed to so much, but I wasn't there. I wasn't all in.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, even to finish the point previously, I don't know if we did, Where we're talking about the energy spend for others was higher than it was in your intimate relationship with your husband. How have you shifted? And for the people listening that and the women that are like, damn, I'm kind of doing that too. Where I'm not giving my partner all of the attention and love that they deserve. How did you shift that in your relationship?
2: We shifted it. But we're such extremists. We shifted it when we did the year in the RV. Oh, my gosh. It was the ugliest. Why did you do that? We closed our gym. We had a brick-and-mortar facility for five years. In Florida? In Florida. We closed the gym. And both of us are not natives of the states or of Florida. So Paolo's from Brazil. I'm from England. We've both been in Florida for like – he'd been there for 12 years. I'd been there for like 10 years. And I'm like, I love Florida. I love what this place has to offer, but it's comfortable. And we, I always talk about like never staying in a space of comfort, like stepping outside, but I was like not doing that anymore. So we decided to pack up everything and live in an RV for a year, which was a really fun experience, but it was the ugliest year of our marriage. We've been together for 12 years. It was so hard, so exposed, so vulnerable, so uncomfortable in every way, but it was the most beautiful way because it deepened our connection and we actually figured out how to communicate. We thought that we were, but we weren't. We were just too busy to deal with a heated conversation that happened last night because you wake up the next day and we got really good at being okay because we had to be on. We had a community to show up to every day that if there was shit hitting the fan at home, no one knew about it. And it became too, we became too good at playing that character. Wow. So when you're in the RV and you're in this tin can that, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to just fuck off to. There's no gym to go to. There's no friends to go just go out and get coffee or a drink with. We had to sit there and have very uncomfortable conversations. But this level of understanding happened for each other. Yeah. And that was so hard, but so good. I don't think we would be together now if we didn't do that year. And that was, what, 2021? Wow. It hasn't even been two years since oh, we it was did that. Oh, it was pandemic? Yeah. Wow.
0: Because the gym shut down the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was the hard year. And then what are you doing moving forward to prioritize that love and that relationship? Spending
2: time and like making sure that that's my sole focus and like doing things together. We've always been good at like keeping the romance. And I have friends that remind me of this like, no, you and Paolo have been really good. Like, but we would, if things were stressful, we'd like go out and get a bowl of wine and like get drunk, you know, Mm -hmm. or like go and do something really extreme and go frolic on the beaches in another country and not tell anyone for a few days. But like, those are fun things, right? Because you, or you're doing something that is either avoiding the ugly or you're just filling time with meaningful experiences, but not like vulnerable experiences. Yes. So we have this crazy space now of like, I want you to hear me. I want you to understand me. I want you to respect me. And like, we're going to talk. We have like really interesting conversations that we've never really had before. We get so deep, which I'm have been really good at getting the shovel out with other people and going deep and talking about where yep. do you think this comes from or why are we this way or like, how no can risk. we do it? Exactly. Yep. And now I've actually managed to figure out a way for us to do that in our household. wow And I feel more seen. I feel more heard. I feel like our lane of communication is just like, the, the, ma- the amount of understanding and respect that we have for each other at this point in our life is, like, I admire it from being in it. It's admirable. Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, when you came out of darkness, that was like, you were like, I'm so in love.
2: Yeah. It
0: was so sweet.
2: Yeah. And I have never stopped to realize like, yeah, it's not perfect. But man, I am in love. I, I love this guy. Yeah. And Like more than ever. And we've had some ugly times. And also
0: to like give yourself permission to say that and do that. Because I think a lot of times when we have good things, we're afraid to admit it mm-hmm. and say it. It's like. We kind of want to, you know, you have, feel like you have to say, yeah, we've had ugly times. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what if you're just like, yeah, we're fucking so in love. Yeah. And you don't have to qualify right. it with the hardness. Right. Just allowing yourself, wow, I'm, we've, I'm so in love with this person, period.
2: I used to feel guilty. Yes. Or if people would ask me about relationships, I'd be like, oh, uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. Because you, you know? guys had
0: a really good relationship. Yeah. Totally. We, yeah. That's a thing. I have a, one of my dear friends, Jordan. Jordan and Jonathan have this beautiful, stunning relationship. And Jordan's been on the pod a few times. And at times it does feel like people want to poke and find what's wrong. Yeah. And they actually have an – of course they have their issues, but they have an incredibly healthy relationship where there isn't really anything to like gossip about or anything. And yeah, that's an experience that people can have where they want everyone to feel – they want to feel less alone in their own pain, so they don't really want to trust if someone's like just having a great
2: relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing that was a big game changer, and if I'm sure if you asked Paolo, he'd have a totally different response, but I think that this anger thing that I've always talked about, Paolo got the brunt of that all the time. So if we have, he used to yeah. say to me all the time, like, We cannot have a conversation because I would just like raise my voice and it wouldn't turn it would turn into a fight, not a conversation. And so I did the work of reading a lot. like Nonviolent communication is a great book. Oh, I want to get that book. It's a good one.
0: Okay. What like, are, What are two things
2: that people can take away from that? Well, two things. If you feel misunderstood, it's no one else's problem but yourself, which is a big one. And on the flip side of you can work on how to deliver something, but if the person at the other end is not ready to receive, it doesn't matter how many times or how many techniques you implement to try and make this, your point be heard and X, Y, and Z, and you just have to make sure that the – read your room, read your audience. If they're not ready, then whatever you have to say is irrelevant. you got to wait for the right time and right space and set it up the right way.
0: Wow. So non communication, what
2: else? How to Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty was one of my so favorite good. books. Love him. Love him.
0: He has a book about love coming out soon. I
2: can't wait. I'll give it
0: to you. I have, a, I have an advanced copy.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. Has he been on the pod?
0: Yeah, he's he's a friend of the pod. Oh, love him. He's the best. He's even better in person, to be completely honest. Oh, man. I love that. He's a true angel from heaven. Okay, last question from me. What is one thing that surprised you about the dark? Because I know our our girlies love talking about the dark. And I want to close with what we opened with.
2: Forgiveness. Wow. I came out with so much forgiveness. And I thought it was going to be like a place for me to feel vulnerable and scream and cry and like this ugly side of me would come out. But it was so peaceful and for me like I know we all had such a different experience but I felt so rested I felt so supported and I felt this crazy feeling of forgiveness and I came out with that forgiveness that helped me have the courage to go back to childhood memories and see things from a very different perspective and maybe it wasn't what I thought it would be and like going back and just forgiving people for shit that they didn't even know that they did in the first place you know
0: yeah the darkness really Gives you what you need. I think they say that with plant medicine, and it's probably true. But the darkness truly just like was this like entity that you interact with that really supports you in whatever.
2: And it was gradual. yes plant medicine. The any experience I've had is it's like buckle the fuck up, yes. bro, because we're going on a ride. And yes. you come out and you're like, what just happened? Like yes. this, I'm not really sure what to do with all this information that just came up, or I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, this was like so clear it was right there it was kind and it was like spoon fed versus like hitting you over the head with the bat and like trying to put it all together
0: yeah yours was like you had like a beautiful time the whole time
2: it was the first two days were hard yeah. but after like that 36 hours i was like surrender man stop waiting to do it. Stop waiting yeah. just be here yeah beautiful
0: I love you. This has been so amazing. I love you too. So good. We just flow and rip and I'm excited to take you to Erewhon, you guys. Baby's first Erewhon is happening today. It's going to be really beautiful. All right. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much, Hannah. Again, that was Hannah Eden. And if you want to listen to the episodes I did on the darkness, you can search darkness almost 30. Both of them will come up. And I've also shared a lot about it on my Instagram at It's Krista. So it's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. Would love for you to connect and follow Almost 30 Podcast on TikTok and Instagram if you haven't already. We share highlights and clips and funny memes and informational graphics that will inspire and educate you. And our aim is to be a place on the
1: internet that you feel really good. Truly. And if you want daily doses of Almost 30, we have our podcast Morning Microdose, which is five to 15 minutes of inspiration, curiosities, joy just will set the tone for your day in the right way. You can follow or subscribe to Morning Microdose everywhere you listen to pods. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.